You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. Today is January 29th, 2024, and Super Bowl 58 is officially set. RIP to the color conspiracy theory. Long live the Taylor Swift stands. We have a lot to get into here on the SB Nation NFL uh, SB Nation NFL Show, presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code SBNFL because life is more fun when you are in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited seat DraftKings.com for details. As noted, this is Monday, Football Monday. What a big shock. We are here on uh, Monday. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple devices, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. The way Willy Wonka read the fine print in the contract at the very end to Charlie and Uncle Joe. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. I say us. The incredibly sad Rachelle Prevett is here behind the scenes. She will surely uh, show her face at one point because she is not a coward. My name is RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys and with me from SBNation.com, having spent many an hour writing things that definitely did not age poorly. They are JP Acosta and Mark Schofield. Marky Mark, congratulations on writing something that lives forever relative to Super Bowl rematches and matchups. This is not how you wanted to start this show, my friend. I mean, what, what RJ is talking about, I feel great. I wrote. Like 3,000, 4,000 words Sunday morning on regular season games that ended up being the Super Bowl that year because we were going to get, right? We would get three of these potential Super Bowl matches were regular season repeat, right? You could have had, you know, Chiefs-Lions from week one, which would have been a great way to sort of recap the season, right? You have the first game of the season, the last game of the season. That would have been fantastic. You could have had ravens Didn't happen. You could have had Ravens-Lions. All the would have been regular season Didn't matches. Happen. No. We get Chiefs-49ers. JP, what it sounds like to me is Mark is mad at something new. The, you know, infamous Barney Stinson once said that new is always better. And we have the new thing. And Mark is, uh, you know, getting off in my in lawning. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen this matchup since last year in the regular season. And these two teams were completely different at that point. The birth Jimmy of the Brock Purdy era. Jimmy that was this game. Or, yeah, Brock Purdy became the starting quarterback. When Jimmy G got hurt in that game, or that was the first game. That was also the first game that Christian McCaffrey played as a 49er. These two teams are completely different. So I understand, like, oh, this is just a rematch of 2019. These teams are two two completely different monsters than what they were in 2019. I think that's what's going to make this matchup really fun. You know what? I understand Rachelle being sad. Rachelle, why don't you join us very quickly? Um the Baltimore Ravens lost the AFC Championship game. It's time to get into that. You're just be emotional. Just let loose. You know, just hard on your sleeve. How are you feeling about uh, an incredible Ravens season coming to an end? This really stings. Like 
I'm happy that I'm coming on here to talk about it. But last night when I say I sat in my room in the dark, I was so upset. I could have cried myself to sleep. That's how bad. The purple walls. Is that a Ravens purple yeah. reason? Yes. I, mean, like I had wow. on my Ravens hoodie, everything. I was so happy. We were so freaking close. Like just stupid mistakes on mistakes. Like the fumble in the end zone, the interception in the end zone, like the taunting penalty. The Ravens really just shot themselves in the foot. Like the defense showed up. So shout out to, you know, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton. They definitely did their thing, you know, being able to shut out the um, Chiefs in the second half. Like they didn't score, but it just sucks that we were right there. I wanted this so bad for Lamar and they just fell short. So, yeah, I'm hurting this morning. This is going to sting for a little while. I've been avoiding my mom and my brother you know, who are Steelers fans. I haven't seen them yet, but I already know I'm going to get it when I see them. They're going to rub it in my face. So, yeah. Well, good luck avoiding your family, Rachelle. Uh, thank you for your thoughts. I apologize because we're about to trample all over the Ravens. Uh, Mark, uh, Rachelle touched on it. Zay Flowers with an ultimate scene of a sequence. Um, what with the taunting penalty um, that was immediately followed out by a cardinal sin reaching the ball across the goal line, um, which could have even resulted in the horrible touchback rule that, you know, some people think is cool for whatever stupid reason. And then being so upset about the entire sequence that he slammed his helmet down and cut his hand, a person who catches things with his hands for a living. Um, so a really just kind of meltdown of a moment for Zay Flowers, emblematic of what the Ravens went through on. Yeah, Sunday. that was a really tough sequence. I mean, the taunting penalty, I think if he had done just two Dude. of the three things, he might have gotten away with it because you had the push, <laughs> the spin of the ball, and then the flex. Like, if you do two of the three, you're probably not going to get flagged. It's the AFC Championship game. But to hit all three, I think they're, you know, they're probably going to throw the flag in that situation. But then, look, to his credit, he got those yards back because he got hit on the crosser, too, for like a 14-yard gain. And it wasn't even, I think, that he reached for the goal line so much as Snee just did a great play. Like he punched it out, like peanut punch in a critical moment, like a half yard short of the end zone. I thought he just, he deserves a ton of credit for that. But yeah, then you obviously make things worse by spiking the helmet and cutting your hand. I, if you would have told, like, if you would have told Rachel on Friday, listen, they're going to hold Mahomes and company to 17. Chiefs aren't going to mm, score in the that second knife, half. Like you would have taken that, I think, in a heartbeat. It's just, you couldn't finish drives with points like you had obviously the flowers punch out you had the most ambitious put it up of the hand moment i think i've ever seen from a receiver but I, oh, isaiah likely is basically triple covered he's like hey me. yeah man i, I got, got it. it i got you <laughs> and it was you know a cover two look we get a linebacker carry him, and i kind of but like man to end that drive with an interception uh, to not come away with points on both of those opportunities just heartbreaking for Baltimore. And I also wonder, where was the run game? Like, where was the run game from the Baltimore Ravens? It's almost like Monk had thought, look, they're going to they're gonna want to stop the run. They're going to expect us to run. So I'm not going to run. Like, what? what? What was that? So I have a – I'm only half joking when I say this theory. Um, I think it's a – we're playing Patrick Mahomes. We got to match him pass for pass. When you don't really have to, especially when you're the Ravens who led the NFL in rushing, keep going after that. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Spags, Keith Magnolo, and the Chiefs DBs had a phenomenal performance. Just a complete shutting down of what the Ravens wanted to do. The Ravens like to get into bigger personnel, and then they run the ball out of that, and they'll, they'll attack downfield. 
everything is attacking vertically. They turned all the vertical shots, they turned that water off. So what, what changed like from the Texans game to the Chiefs game for Baltimore is after the first half of the Texans game, the Ravens found the answers in the quick game. They didn't go to the quick game at all in the second half, which I thought was really disappointing and really confusing for the Ravens, especially because you're going to choose not to run the ball and you're going to choose not to have any quick game in the offense. You're putting a lot of strain on the offense and the quarterback to create everything. You know, like I think Lamar, Lamar didn't have a good game. I think there were a lot of times where he was trying, he was trying to force throws. He was trying to will the ball. He was trying to will somebody open downfield. Like some, something's got to happen. Like he, it felt like he was getting frustrated. And I thought he could have run the ball a lot more. I think that was something that was kind of surprising, but a lot of credit to Spags and that defense who continue to find answers and, Based on where this defense was in what, 2020, 2021 even, this is a completely different group. Like those young DBs that were getting beat downfield in the first half of last year, they're the best position group on this team. And they played phenomenal last night. You um, talk about the Chiefs defense. It was, was it that Titans loss they had in 2020? 21 maybe where Tyron Matthew called the Chiefs fan base toxic that always has felt like an inflection point for me um, in terms of when they kind of started to turn a tide like the Chiefs are the ultimate team who takes a weakness seriously they're like oh our offensive line sucks we're just gonna throw a million resources at this our defense sucks we're just gonna throw a million resources at this although I know they don't have a ton of money invested there guys I don't want to do this like I don't want to be this person but like I'm really disappointed in Lamar like and we can give out criticism and you know credit obviously to your point JP about giving Steve Spagnuolo all the props in the world but like this was Lamar's moment and I just feel like Mark he he just floundered and I, I i recognize like it was a difficult thing like i, I want to add that context but like i mean his two mvps feel so hollow i mean as, assuming he obviously gets it next week because like do you, do you look back on those fondly as a ravens fan and enjoy them i mean like on one hand the answer is yes but on another it's like man this is just you know it's it's just really tough to take in a lot of ways yeah it, it is tough to take and do you look back on those fondly? You had a 14 and two team that could bounce in the division around, and then this team that we were all sort of looking at coming into this postseason as they can make a deep run. They are perhaps the best team in football. Look at what they do on both sides of the ball, and you come up short of the Super Bowl. And and to JP's point about the quick game against Houston, Lamar's average depth of target was like 7.9. It was 9.8 on Sunday. It was almost two yards more per attempt. Like that's a big jump. And you showed you had proof of concept in the second half of that division round game. We can go quick game. We can get opportunities for big plays. We can turn quick throws into chunk plays with yardage after the catch. Where was that? And was Lamar good? No, he wasn't. Like, even when they went quick game, he had a throw to Hill in the right flat where he just missed it. Like, he missed throws, too. And whether it was rain, conditions, whatever, I don't know. I've got tidy hands. I know that. It's tough to throw when it's rain, when it's rainy and it's wet out. But also, look, then run the ball more. Right. All the stuff that we thought that they were going to do, they didn't do. It's almost as if, at least from an offensive game plan and script management scenario, they just outthought themselves. And the funny thing about that quick game throw to Hill that you talk about the Lamar miss, even if Hill catches that, he's getting cracked. It's behind the line of scrimmage. Not only like, is it behind the line of scrimmage, Jarius Need is right there because what they did yeah. was, and again, Spags is amazing. They played with three safeties. It looks like they're going to play cover. They're going to play two man. 
And to the backside, there are only two receivers. There's OBJ and Justice Hill, who's in the backfield. They're going to try and get a pick, kind of like a pick, right? It's like slant flat. But then Sneed passes off that slant by Beckham and comes off on the hill. That was that was a microcosm of the game. Like there's just there's nothing open downfield, and they just completely had answers for everything. I think, like we said, Lamar did not play good, but I also think there is a lot of we do, <laughs> and I use we royally here. We do a lot of oh, they played good. Quarterback gets all credit. We play bad. Quarterback quarterback gets all blame. I don't really like it. Um, of course, I've said it before, but even in this case, like. Lamar didn't play great. He played real. He played bad. I also think the game plan was really, really bad. I want. I wonder what their thought was going into this week, considering what the Bills did in the ter- in terms of running the ball and like con- and throwing quick passes and throwing quick game and still ending up losing. I wonder if that kind of affected the game plan that they came in with because they're like, we can't we can't hide our hand. We can't hold our cards anymore. But that's what you came into the game with. That's that's what brought you to the dance. That's how you open you open up the shots downfield by taking in the quick game, by using the run game. Willie, uh, not Willie Gay, Nick Bolton was turning and running on every vertical over route that was run that was run in the second half. On the interception, he was just running with Isaiah Likely. Again, funniest thing of all time, where he's just he's throwing up the uh the mailbox post with three guys on him. Like, yeah. okay, man, like sure, but it was just a really confusing game plan and really disappointing because like we talked about the chiefs offense did score in the second half. I mean, you could even go after the first scripted drive touchdown, the Ravens, the Ravens were locked in and it is a lot of credit to Mike McDonald, who if I were a team based in the Washington DC area, I'd look at hiring that guy instead of the other coordinator in Detroit. I think what you said is fair JP. I think Zay Flowers is going to take a lot of the heat for the game because he had the most like flagrant moments. I think Lamar is going to take a lot of heat because he's the quarterback, but kind of a really disappointing moment for John Harbaugh, like somebody who had everything so buttoned up, you know, all season long, just couldn't get it done in the 11th hour. Um, Really, really bit of a bummer or, you know, huge bummer for the Ravens on the Kansas city side. uh, Mark who, so the, the Patriots first three Super Bowl appearances, they beat the Colts in the Oh three AFC title game and the Steelers in Oh four. Is that correct? Uh, I think you flip it. Wait, or maybe not. I can look that up, but something like that. Okay, because while while Mark looks that up, JP, so the Mahomes-Brady thing is, like, obvious and low-hanging fruit, and, like, how can you not make that comparison? But something I was thinking about as this game was unfolding is he's won four AFC titles now. They've won four AFC titles, and three of them have come against his direct challengers in terms of people we've tried to kind of equate him to. Now, Joe Burrow got through one time and deserves a lot of credit for that, and the Bengals, we've given them their flowers. But Mahomes has taken out Lamar, obviously, in the AFC title game. He's taken out Josh Allen. He took out Burrow in the rematch. Mark, do you have that list now, by the way? Yeah, so in 03, they beat the Colts, and then in 04, it was the Steelers. And who was the 01 AFC title game against? That was Pittsburgh. Okay, so, I mean, kind of like Brady, JP. I mean, you know, those were the direct challengers to Brady for the AFC throne. And, what I mean, like, I I don't have any way to contextualize this that, you know, hasn't been offered. But, like, this is stupid at this point. It's unbelievable what the Chiefs are doing. They're inevitable, man. Like, it just – it's so wild that they were able to get through the receivers not being able to catch a pass and still make the Super Bowl with the receivers playing the best game – they, the Kansas City receiving targets have had the best three-game stretch of the season in the playoffs. 
that's something that just like we kind of got to tip the cap, you know, like th- that was something that we didn't expect going into the season or going into the playoffs. We thought the receivers were going to be a letdown. MVS decided to remember how to catch the ball, which the the last play before they kneeled it out. It's I was like, oh, this is going to yeah. be a drop. And MVS comes down with it. Like that's the biggest point of the game. Travis Kelsey dealt with drops a lot during the season. Had, I believe, 11 catches, 116 yards. He, he played phenomenally. It was It's just those type of things where this Chiefs team is so complete that the offense can figure out answers throughout the season while the defense keeps them in games and wins them games. And then when it's time for the offense to make the plays that they know they can in the playoffs, they're able to do that. Like that, this was the most... <laughs> this was the most Brady-ish of Mahomes, like any of Mahomes' like AFC title games, just in terms of what he did in the first half, in terms of beating the Ravens with his arm and with his mind. It wasn't as much like the, like, like the first title game Mahomes was in that they lost to the Patriots. Yeah, it was very much a right. like it was so impressive watching him beat everything Mike McDonald threw at him on the first drive, on that scripted drive. And even out of the scripted drives, it was Mahomes beating them every single time with his arm or with his mind, which is really impressive considering, like, this team was a deep shot or nothing offense in 2022. Like, this is something that – this isn't – this is a new version of the Chiefs offense that kind of got started after uh, the Bengals' loss in the AFC title game. Like, that. That's an insane turnaround to go from what they were to being an efficient buzzsaw of an offense. Mark, uh, in the first half of this game, Travis Kelsey passed Jerry Rice for most playoff receptions all time. And not to take anything away from Jerry Rice, but a big reason why he holds all these records is because he played forever and had so many playoff opportunities. And that's where the Chiefs are at now. I mean, they've played a billion postseason games. I mean, you're a fan of a team who had a similar sort of circumstance, obviously, set of circumstances. And now, to JP's point, we're getting new characters, like new new members of the party. New, Like, we're, we're deep into the seasons, and you have – it's still, you know, Turk and JD, but the interns now kind of rolling around with everybody. Like, it's amazing how this continues to thrive, and obviously there's a lot of people who deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, it is amazing. I think what's amazing about the Kelsey thing is he had nine, he's done it in nine fewer games, I think, than Rice, which I think is pretty impressive. And I think, sort of, to both of your points about the sort of Brady and New England, you know, Mahomes and Kansas City comparison, is you think about how some of those Patriots teams reinvented themselves sometimes over the course of a single season, right? That old Belichick idea of you take the first four weeks of the year and you start figuring out what you can do and you lock into that down the stretch. You think about that Patriots team that won Super Bowl 53 that didn't really have like this like precision passing game. So they locked into sort of being a 21 personnel. We're going to run the football. You know, we're going to get behind James Devlin, our fullback. We're going to pound Sony Michelle at times. You think about that touchdown drive against the Rams where they ran Hosswide Juke out of 22 personnel like four straight times. It was like, look, this is all we can do right now. And you think about how the Chiefs sort of reinvented themselves these past, say, 12 calendar months from being that deep shot team to now – look, they'll spread the ball around a little bit. They'll do different things offensively. They'll find a way to win. They've given themselves a bigger error band in games where they don't have to be flawless on offense. They don't have to be perfect. What also helps is now you've got the defense to go along with you. 
You know, you've got the defense that can get the critical stops. You've got the defense that can force the big turnover. Whereas in years past, it was, look, Mahomes, this offense and bust. Now they've got the defense. And if you think it back to the, the Niners-Chiefs rematch angle, whether it's from Super Bowls four years ago or that game last year, now they've got a fun defense along for the ride, which could make it really interesting. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's move to the NFC Championship game. <laughs> and we might as well just like dive in. Um Dan Campbell, how we, okay? So the way I see it, there are four points of discussion. We'll call them. We've got the decision to kick at the end of the first half. Just going chronologically here, we've got the fourth and two, the Josh Reynolds drop. We've got the fourth and three, which just was laughable and unfortunate. And then we've got the we'll put it on Ben Johnson's shoulders, the third and goal run that costed them a timeout. Which you know the game was kind of over, but still, uh, JP, how do you rank those decisions? with one being like, you are stupid, and 10 being you are Albert Einstein? Um, so I think the decision to run on third on uh, on the goal line is at the top. Right. Um, honestly, I think the two fourth down decisions were perfectly fine. And Okay, so then number two for you is the decision to kick at the end of the first half. Honestly, like, I get most of the fourth down decisions that Dan Campbell made in this game, I completely understand. I guess well, if you I have to pick it, one, which one, which one is, second, is dumber? I would have to go with the kick because I'm like, okay, I can okay. understand like going for it there because you're on the goal line. But even in that situation, what benefit do you get from going for it and not getting it? You don't get to pin them back. They had like 10 seconds left in the first half. So you might as well just kick the field goal there. On the two fourth down plays, they're perfectly fine calls. When you are Dan Campbell, you are the go for it guy. This is. They, he's always had that feel and belief. This is not an analytics. This is not the numbers say do this. This is a feel. The, the Lions offense was moving the ball. Like this, it's not, it's not like they were barely like trying to get above water. 
You know, they were moving the ball. It was perfectly fine to take those chances on on fourth down. The first one, if Josh Reynolds catches the ball, we're not having this conversation. Like it is a perfectly fine like just catch the ball. And Josh Reynolds also acknowledged that after the game. I just got to catch the ball. Like it's perfectly fine to be like, "Oh, like the result didn't happen the right way, but the process was perfectly fine there." On the other one, so this one's probably a little more questionable than the first fourth down, but the, the second fourth, that's that's the one that most people are upset with, like are more yeah. upset with, I should say. Yeah, Michael Badgley is not a good kicker from for like the high 40s to 50 yard range. He was not that great in that area. I believe he was 50% in the year from that from that range. So it's not like it was a shoe-in that a 48-yard field goal is going in, you know. And my whole stance on that is defense gets paid too. Like, I think the decision to go empty on fourth down was a bad, was a mistake because where the Lions beat the Niners were in condensed sets, were in tightening the formation, getting into, get they, they beat the, the Niners in the phone booth. When you spread out, you play to the speed of the 49ers. That's where they want you to be because they don't have to defend the run with, without a nose tackle, you know, they don't, they don't really, they're not really built to stop the run, you know? So I think the decision to go from empty was a poor play design, but also defense gets paid too. Steve Wilkes had a great play call and the Niners just executed better. They covered every single route on mesh. Mesh normally works. Like if you, if you like are on football Twitter a lot, you see mesh rail is undefeated for some people. I am of the belief that mesh rail is a not is a not good play. Run a real run a real route concept. Um, but defense gets paid too. Like they they made a great play. Like you can't be like, oh, this was a it was a bad time to go for it when the kicker isn't that great from that range. And they just got they just got outplayed. Mark, your thoughts on the Dan Campbell of it all? Because that's all anyone cares to discuss right now. Yeah, and it's I'm kind of with JP on how you're stacking these things. I thought the run call late in the game was just inexplicable, inexplicable when you're trying to like conserve the timeouts to then run it. Like you either score or you've shot yourself completely in the foot. I think the decision to kick at the end of the half, we talked about it in the Slack at the time. Like we all kind of agreed, like okay, you're going up three scores here. Like there's no benefit if you get stopped. Niners get the ball to start the second half. Like go up three scores. So I, I kind of get that. You know, the the two fourth down calls. This is what got you here. So you're going to be aggressive. Like I know some have said, at least with the fourth and three. Like look, you got to stop the bleeding here. Like, just take three points. Like, it's a risky field goal try, but take the three points if you can get it. But to the overarching point on that play, defense gets paid too. Steve Wilkes gets paid too. They go empty. They try to get information pre-snap. Goff sees Dre Greenlaw walking outside with Gibbs. He's thinking they're in man coverage. He points to the helmet. They go to the can play, which is mesh. He's thinking he's got man coverage, and they drop into zone. And even mesh sit, which they're running – has a zone beater component with a Monra St. Brown on the sit route. The problem, the entire left side of the offensive line gets blown up. And as St. Brown is sitting over the football looking for it, Goff has to now bail. They beat him. Steve Wilkes and company beat him on that play. Like, and to Ben Johnson on that play call, like he probably gave Goff sort of a zone concept beater, a man concept beater. Goff got baited into thinking it was man. 
Like you tip your hat to them. They won. They won on that snap. They won the game. This is, I, I think the bigger point is how much do you as a head coach sort of trust your guys and which guys are you going to put in the key moments to make the play? And Campbell, all season long, has trusted his offense. It would have been sort of against norm to do that at this point, to go in a different direction. And what does that say to your offense at that point in the game to then say, look, we're going to kick? Like, I think he's getting crushed, but it's what got them here. I think you go down swinging. So first of all, I think we all agree the third and goal decision was really dumb. And I thought Greg Olson was incredible throughout that entire process. Oh, like, he was like, telegraphing Olson's it. been fantastic all year. He was fantastic. Like that fourth and three, like Olson talked about it like right in the He's moment. The like, best. look, he thought it was bad. Like Olson was great. By the way, uh Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart will join the blog and the boys universe this week. Uh, so everyone subscribe to our podcast oh, well, and YouTube you channel. We'll see about throwing that uh podcast on TGF football. I'll talk to the Bossman, Michael kissed about that, but um, so very excited to talk to him. So yeah, I think that's like universally agreed, but it's not as like flagrant in people's minds the like football average viewer as the fourth down decisions. Um, this is inside it all the like you go up three possessions, and I kind of lean that way. I mean, although I lean that way like fifty one forty nine, because to your point, JP, about how it is more of a feel thing. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to feel a little bit of fear, just a little bit in those moments, because it's the freaking NFC championship game. And I would not feel this way if it weren't for the Cowboys game. Honestly, I thought, and we all talked about it. Then the end of that became arrogant for Dan Campbell, like the insistence on going for the two point conversion, even when it was a, like, it was not increasing their win probability. Like it defied logic and reason. And it became just like, you know, bull seeing red and i don't know that this was that but this felt a little bit too like well this is who we are so we have to be that way and i i don't know that like that's the proper lens to look at this through although i'm fine if we disagree i think we're spending a lot of time talking about some fourth down calls and not a fact and not the fact that a ball that was supposed to be intercepted went off a lion's oh. player's face mask and into the hands of brandon Ayuk, or the fact that jameer gibbs fumbled inside of his own 20 those are much immediately bigger plays too. Than any of the fourth, any of the fourth down plays. Like if you just hold on to the ball, then none of this is happening. Mark the uh, the Brandon IU catch was some real team of destiny vibes. It was real Jermaine Curse right before the Malcolm Butler play. Like it was, <laughs> like what? Like, is, how does that even happen? Like I had just set an an underdog fantasy, you know set up right before then and taken the under on Brandon Ayuk's second half receiving right before that play. And of course, like it literally instantly died. Yeah, that that's a tough one. And look, lessons there, never run invert two. I don't know. Cause I mean, that's what the lines were in on that play. And you're giving Ayuk sort of inside leverage against the corner that's peeling back for a deep half coverage responsibility. But yeah, I mean, that was, and that's kind of what's lost in all of this is like there was like that that four minute sequence and I wrote about this last night from like the seven minute mark of the third quarter to like the four minute mark of the third quarter where like it all just fell to pieces for the Lions like everything that could have gone wrong did I mean you have that sequence where you could have if that's an interception there I think we're having a much different discussion in that in this moment because then we're getting all oh, there's your second Brock Purdy interception they're trying to do too much he's trying to do too much you know then they go in and score and then you get the Gibbs fumble which that play was a disaster from the start because either golf opened the wrong way or Gibbs went to the wrong side it was all just a mess that's when the wheels sort of came off and that's when you sort of 
and the crowd wasn't really in it until like you get to those moments and then suddenly the crowd's like back into it because they're thinking oh man we're coming now and the quicksand was set it in on that Detroit line sideline it was just part of a brutal sequence for Detroit and JP I know you were tweeting about the Jaguars relative to the Lions and like beginning their rebuilds and you were kind of having some fun with this but like it's really hard to not feel for Lions fans because I think there's a there's a self-preservation that happens when your team is never involved in these moments and you've kind of lived this throughout your life and then you get to these moments and you lose them and it's all of a sudden you're like I wish this had never happened like I wish we were just like perennial losers like I have to imagine Lions like they, they've when you fly close to the sun it's it's either tragic or amazing and, and we know how it is for them today I think Dan Campbell made a really good point at the end uh during his press conference uh the discussion that was brought up and he was like, yeah, I told them in the locker room, it's not guaranteed that we're going to get back here. You know, like he said, this might've been their only shot. He doesn't believe that or doesn't think that, but it's the reality of the NFL. The biggest lie you can tell yourself as a sports fan is we'll be back next year as, as a fan of a team who has said, we'll be back next year. It, it never happens unless you are Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. You are never back. Like you always have to climb that mountain again. It's not like you just, you don't start on third base next season. You know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get the, oh, nobody kind of saw us coming thing. Now you're going to get everybody's best shot. And you now got the, you got the Packers now, maybe you got Caleb Williams. Like now who the, knows the target is yeah, like the targets on your back. Uh, and I think the lions are built to do this but it's not like it's a guarantee that they're going to be back like you're not you're not going to be guaranteed that you're going to be back it that's just football mark i think the fact and that we, you get the first place schedule now too right right like uh, i'm just looking it's like like they get buffalo next year they get san francisco and dallas next year like well dallas, schedule dallas is a lot different easily, now uh mark no. i think the fact that we talked about both losers first is representative of the fact that like that would have been a much more interesting super bowl but here we are it's chiefs it's niners the niners remain inevitable but like this was the like least inevitable inevitable they they've been i don't know if that makes sense like it really took detroit collapsing for them to like take advantage like you know we've seen the niners like turn I mean, on a dime you're, you're right like look at their two wins you have a, a win against green bay where Look, we talked about it. Like Brock Purdy didn't play great until like the final what seven, eight minutes of that game. Right. He had the throw to Jennings, and then that final drive where he went six or seven. You have this game where you're down twenty four seven at halftime. And look, I was I had like three different you no know, Lions win columns like in the drafts ready to go beyond the sort of rematch one. I had like I was like a thousand words in on Dan Campbell was right all along that I wrote at halftime that I had to scrap again, which gets back to how bitter I am about how that unfolded, but. If you're a Niners fan, it's like survive in advance. Yeah, that's great. That's what you did. But these aren't like the most inspiring sort of performances, these two wins that they've had. And, you know, yes, it's to, to be the only team. I think they're the first team in the like previous 114 or so that were down like 17 points in a conference championship game. They're the first one to come back and win. But the Lions certainly helped you out along the way. And then you get the love interception. Like it's it's not like man wow look at us we're, we're resilient we're awesome it's like man we got some help to get here <laughs> it's i'm going to say the tread very lightly on this conversation because it is um the most toxic thing that i've ever experienced and i sometimes play online in 2k uh 
Brock Purdy played bad. In the as the Heat? Half. Yeah, as the as Heat. The heat. I played- oh, Dame Lillard's not on your team then. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they, uh, Brock Purdy played bad in the first half. And then the second half, he played better. Like, that's that's really it, you know? I think that game was changed when – I think something happened in the halftime where it's like, hey, Brock, they're playing man. You can scramble or you can run, you know, because the biggest plays that – Yeah, happened, he, w- he was great. I mean, there's no denying yeah, he was that. great like, in the it, second half. Like, that was – they needed they needed an answer against man coverage, surprisingly, which I was like, I don't know if you want to play man, but – Against the Niners, but I mean, Brock Purdy decided to scramble, and that was their that was their biggest plays. He added a lot of, I think he added like ten point six EPA on his scrambles, which is the highest of his career. He doesn't really scramble a lot, but that was a nice added touch and something that you know is helpful for your young quarterback to realize in the second half. Oh, I can run, but this team is. <laughs> I really do want to go back and see what happened in the second half for the Niners defense because it felt like the runs that were popping for the Lions in the first half kind of got shot up, shut off in the second half. But I also think the the Lions got a little too cute. I think they they did a little more shotgun drop back, and you don't have to when you were running for 150 yards in the first half. It's just it's gonna. It's tough to keep this team down for four quarters. You know, it's tough to keep the Niners down. Um, On the subject of toxicity, I think the Niners fan base is a Super Bowl loss away from just like complete and total infighting over the next few months. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the frustrations of coming so close over and over and over and over again. And if they lose to Mahomes and the Chiefs again specifically, like it will really be bad. I mean, I I, I, I think it kind of depends on how it would unfold. I mean, if it's just Mahomes lights them up, then I think it's okay. But if it's Mahomes but if lights it's like, them up, then it's like, oh, well, you have to go get a real quarterback. You can't get by with just, you know, Brock Purdy kind of steering. The, I don't want to call him a game manager because, again, I'm with you, JP. Like, it's a really delicate conversation. Yeah, I, but, I mean, yeah, that yeah. that would that would highlight the issue like it did the first time. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think you're right. It, it, look, we're going to get two weeks of Brock Purdy dis- discourse. We're going to get two and weeks of, again, of, of like Good Morning America style headlines, like people who don't normally cover the NFL uh, that say, Mr. Not So Irrelevant. Stuff like that is about to completely and totally overwhelm us. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to get that discourse if like if Mahomes plays really well and Purdy misses a few throws that like, oh, the other guy would make that throw. Why don't you? Have- <laughs> I mean, if we get another incompletion like the one that oh, Jimmy Garoppolo had, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we get a moment like that, it's the discourse this off season has the potential to set in social media on fire from everywhere that we can um, go with this. I mean, if if you get an overthrow like that. And then you get word out of Minnesota that the Vikings are going in a different direction and Kirk Cousins is available. I mean, there's four months of content right there, friends. There it is. Uh, may- um, maybe. <laughs> I think it's cool and badass in sports when anybody calls a shot and lives up to it. So the George Kittle, I will be back in this game thing. That is one of the coolest things to ever happen. Like that is, it, it's funny that it's this exact game, like these exact opponents um, or these exact two teams. So 
kudos to George Kittle. I think that's cool. So, um, um, oh, oh, stats. Uh, our good buddy Stats says, how about the discourse if the Niners win? Stats, it's a family show. Uh, so, you know, let's be cool with the F-bomb. If the Niners win, Mark, then then the discourse becomes – like I'll look at it through like a Cowboys lens. Like, well, why pay a why pay Dak Prescott sixty million dollars a year? Quarterbacks don't matter. Final, yeah, the yeah. Final, like that, that's, that's, that's the discourse. Like, argument right there. QBs don't matter. QBs don't matter. We did we did running backs don't matter for like five QBs years. QBs don't man. matter. I'm, I'm getting all the discourse. Qu- quarterbacks don't matter. Linebackers and running backs do. Look at the Niners. Exactly. Yeah. That's where <laughs> it's going. You need a good running game and you need good linebackers. Where do you think the Niners won? They won with good a good running game and having Debo Samuel and Fred Warner. Quarterbacks don't matter. That's the that's the discourse. If the Niners win, if the Niners win, Kyle Shanahan is going to be the most arrogant. Not that he's not already in some instances, but like it will be intense. Um, it'll kind of it'll feel cathartic for him. I bet because like oh, dude, it will be uh, oh, absolutely. It will be uh, Herb Brooks in the movie Miracle. Like after he wins, just like shaking like by himself while like everyone is celebrating. Yeah. So uh stats is noting that Brock led two comeback wins. Yeah, I mean stats, stats, buddy. You've got two weeks. Okay. Please pace yourself. I'm a, I'm a little worried about you right now. You look a little fired up. You got two weeks, stats. Um okay, like, so we're gonna like do a show in that if Josh Reynolds doesn't drop that fast. We're not having this conversation. I'm, I'm not getting off of the. I'm not getting off this. QBs don't matter. I'm only half joking when I say it. I'm not. I'm not even like half joking. I'm like quarter joking at this point. Um, we will do a Super Bowl preview show that we'll, we're going to record that this week. Um, and ahead of time because I'll be in Las Vegas on Radio Row. Real stats will be. So I don't. He might like physically fight me. I mean, I don't know. Seriously, at this uh, point, man. Mark, you'll be in New York next Monday. Yep, um, I will be. Do you want to plug anything or no? I mean, like I don't know how you want to. You know. I mean, I, I, I could I could say what I'm doing. Um, Williams is set to unveil uh, the V the uh, FW46, their challenger for the 2024 Formula One season, and they were kind enough to invite me to the launch. So I will be attending a media brunch with James Viles, uh, Alex Albon, and Logan Sargent, and then a media roundtable with their team principal and the two drivers as well. And I cannot wait to ask Logan Sargent the one question that everybody wants to ask him, which is. What's up with Tua and the Dolphins, man? Because Logan is a huge Miami Dolphins fan, so I'm going to ask him that. But I will be in New York City at uh, Rockefeller Center for that next Monday, and I know you guys are traveling as well. If you guys want to share what you're doing next week, um, go for it. I don't even know what you're doing, JP. Uh, you had, you also, didn't share. I will also be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. I will be uh, going, hey. going out. Uh, I'll be spreading the quarterbacks don't matter discourse in Las Vegas establishing the fun all over the place we're establishing the fun all over las vegas uh i'm excited i'm excited this will be the third radio row super bowl media ish thing that i've done so it's really cool that i'm getting the opportunity to do it and i'm excited to go to vegas excellent uh well i'll be there so jp we have to take up an espionation picture and you'll jump on our radio show on 94 one san antonio sports star um we will establish the fun so mark if you had been there we could have done like a you know picture where you had to do, this. Could have done a live show had, it would have been great you had to do this super like cool thing um the list of of espionationers who i've met in person is really small so um jp you're about to join that list so congratulations to you yes um so yeah so we're going to record uh next week's monday football monday ahead of time we're going to can it as they like to say uh which means we'll offer our full out predictions then uh but preliminary 
you know, before all the discourse completely and totally unfolds, uh, JP, Chiefs or Niners? Chiefs. I know Stats is watching. I'm sorry, buddy. Chiefs. Yeah, Stats. I've, I've learned my lesson. I took the Bills. I took the Ravens. Rachel, I'm really sorry. But, like, I am not betting against the Chiefs for a very, very, very long time. Even if they lose this game. Like, I'm not betting against the Chiefs for a very, 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 very long time. So, um, clean suit for the Chiefs. Rachel, if you could join us. And I know this is really hard, but um, offer your preliminary pick, Chiefs or Niners. Uh, your thoughts on everything that maybe aren't Ravens related, if you want to avoid <laughs> that. And, of course, crown the, the MF double MVP. Um, I'm also going to go with Chiefs as hard as it is. I think they are the better team. So. Man, you should avoid stats. I'm sorry, stats. Yeah, JP, JP we're going to be on a list uh, next week, so watch out for us. Yeah. Uh, my other point, I mean, it is kind of related to the Ravens, but not really. I was a huge, like, Travis Kelsey fan until yesterday. I feel like he is a complete villain now. After Ooh. what I saw what happened pre with, like, Justin Tucker. So explain explain what happened. Did. We didn't touch on this, please, Rachel. Okay, so like pregame, they showed like a clip. Uh, Justin Tucker was like stretching, but he was, you know, by the Chiefs players. And uh, Travis Kelsey came up to him and pretty much like took his helmet. And like, I guess he asked him to move because he was like, you know, Mahomes needs to warm up. And I guess he did not. So he moved the helmet, like completely like threw it out of the way. And Justin Tucker was kind of like smirking, like, okay, we're like, this is what you're going to do. So that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I feel like he was doing a lot of trash talking like he normally does, taunting stuff. And nobody really caught it. Like none of the refs really said anything. So that to me was a little bit one-sided. And so I used to be a fan of him, but I'm sorry. After this, like, nah, like I do not like Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry. He's Thanks. a So, yeah. Um, but today competition in the podcast games, that's fine with us. Yeah, for yeah. real. Um, but today I'm going to give the award to Mark. I think you crushed it. Way to go, Mark. Um, the opposite of Travis Kelsey and Rachel's eyes. Uh, what do you have to say? <laughs> Who do you want to thank? Um, and of course, why is it Logan Sargent? Um, well, I want to thank my three dear friends here, uh, that, that make this show so much fun to do every Monday. It really is a blast to get to talk ball with the three of you. I always enjoy it. Um, as for, I, I want to say one more thing about the Williams thing. I get the most adorably British email from them after I confirmed because they asked me, and I quote, they asked for my quote, top half clothing size because apparently I'm going to get some sort of Williams swag. But that's the most adorably British question ever. <laughs> like, I absolutely loved it. So I can't wait to see what I get. I hope it's like a, a, a cool, they're actually unveiling a new like Puma like kit for the 2024 season and it looks like in some of the teaser photos they got like a williams soccer jersey Ooh. that would be awesome wow okay um well um i mean you obviously have to slack it to us as soon as you get it um was Absolutely. the was the font that the email came in in times new roman this seems like a british thing yeah well wouldn't it yeah. be more yeah, of a italian thing because it's times new roman and rome JP, you can get the hell out of here. You can, <laughs> right? Like you can, you can. I don't know the origins of the font, but it looks British. All right. Okay. It's I know exactly. When I, when I think of Italian. I think like that. swooping sort of font. Like you know, yeah. that's yeah, not times the Roman. Roman. <laughs> I, look, I, there's a lot of things that are named weirdly that don't necessarily make sense. So you again can kick rocks. I'm with stats. You suck. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Um, as we do, JP, tell us your favorite Italian thing, please. Times New Roman. <laughs> More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.